The Ziggler Show comes from the legacy of Zig Ziggler and brings together personal and professional growth, business success, and faith. Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller. In this episode, where would you like to double your focus? We often talk about the things we would do if we had more time, right? Well, in this episode, we kick off with a two-minute clip from Zig Ziglar, and he actually talks about the power of focusing in on one goal because we can't address every goal adequately at the same time. But from the message, I asked the Ziglar audience this question. If you were given the time to double your focus on improving one area of your life, or progressing toward any one specific goal, where would it be? It was a great conversation reading through the comments with Tom Ziegler. Many of the comments talked about business goals, but really the majority were addressing themselves, which shines light on the reality of how we often shortchange our own care, our personal care, which leaves us unable to serve others and our goals at full capacity. So I think you'll get a lot from this episode. We'll get started right after I share some great products and services with you. Now, most goals should be specific. They need to be specific. I simply want to say this. When your goals are specific, things happen. A number of years ago, I was aboard an aircraft and I was flying uh, over Niagara Falls. We were at about 30,000 feet. The captain of the aircraft said, those of you who are seated on the right-hand side of the aircraft, I'm going to tilt the plane slightly left. You should go look at Niagara Falls. Well, the plane was about half empty. I went to the left. Now, 30,000 feet is roughly six miles up there. That's a long way off. But even from six miles distance, the enormous power of 180 million gallons of water a minute flowing over those falls, that's an enormous amount of water. The spray was coming up, and even at 30,000 feet, you could see it. You were impressed with the awesome power of Niagara Falls. And yet for years and years and years, that awesome power fell to the rocks below and dissipated into the distance. Then one day a man came along and said, you know, I wonder what would happen uh, if we did some construction here and took a small portion of that power, focused it on a specific point, get it to turn some wheels and generate some hydroelectricity. Bottom line is they have farmed millions of acres of ground They've created thousands of jobs. They've educated children. They've built homes and schools and hospitals. They prospered simply because that power was focused. When we focus our lives, then we unleash an incredible amount of power in our lives. Well, Tom, I mean, it's an interesting question to even ask, you know, what would you do with more time? Because, you know, of course, the famous quote, we all have, you know, as much time as Michelangelo had. And often I had this, uh, we talked about this with John Mark Comer, and he wrote the book. um, Oh, man, now it's not going to come to me. Uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Okay, and we talked about that. And what he got into is the reality that if all of us woke up today and there was some you see it in one of those fantastical movies and said, today, Kevin, today, Tom, you have an extra hour added on to your day. Everybody else has 24. You have 25. What are you going to do with it? And of course, the truth is we would all just do the same thing that we always do and it wouldn't really matter. And so wishing we had more time is one of the most irrelevant things. But if somebody said, you know, you, you have to, you're forced to, or we'll give you a million dollars if you do spend extra time on one area, what would that be? Or if you spent time in one area and nothing else was affected, you know, everything else got its adequate time you would normally have, where would you give it? And it is an interesting thing, interesting thing to think of, where would I give that extra time if it just magically appeared or maybe it's that time travel thing you're going to spend an hour on it but when that hour is over no time will have passed you'll be right back so nobody's going to know nothing gets chipped where would anything come to mind for you tom yeah you know what's interesting is is i started thinking practical right i was thinking okay you know what i'm going to get this project done i'm going to write ahead on this book i'm going to do this and then i started thinking bigger than that uh practical is real important but this, I saw this Facebook post the other day, and it was the, it was the definition of procrastination. 
And it said that procrastination is actually the arrogance that, well, it's not that important and God will give me more time. Hmm. And so I thought, wow, that's a different switch on it because we're not promised another minute, right? And so, so then I went into procrastination. So my Uncle Bernie told me this. He said, you know what the poorest country in the world is? I've heard this. I can't remember. Go, go. Procrastination. Nation, right there. Thank you. And what's the wealthiest country in the world? I don't know. Imagination. Nation. Beautiful. And so what I think is if, if you really wanted to do an exponent, so, you know, whether your focus is on academics or, or your spiritual life or, or whatever your persuasion skills, whatever it is that you want to focus on, I would challenge you to think about imagination. What if you had a whole extra hour to dream and imagine what could come out of you pursuing something relentlessly with intense focus yeah. because that imagination will open up the doors of possibilities and that'll get you excited. That'll create hope in the future. Hope in the future is the fuel on which you run today, right? That fuel, uh, that enthusiasm, that, that motivation that gets you going. And then that in turn inspires the actual action that you're going to take the PPA that we call it the purpose producing activity that's going to get that done. So I think if, if we were really wise, we might take that extra hour to imagine whatever that focus is, what could it be and, and go into creativity and imagination. So there's my answer. Okay. Well, forgive my competitive nature here. This is not a competition, but man, that one wins. I, I, I vote for that one. Uh, seriously, Tom, we spend, you know, this was, this is ages old, you know, Pascal said one of man's greatest downfalls is the inability to sit in a room for 15 minutes by himself. And yet we have the greatest influencers, leaders, the most impacting historical figures of our, of our of, uh, ever. And they were thinkers. They were thinkers. And even up to, you know, recent or fairly recent times, relatively with Bill Gates. And I remember reading about him and his mom coming out into their garage or whatever. And he's just sitting there and she says, what are you doing? He says, I'm thinking. And we don't do that. We don't sit and think. I love to see one of my kids working on something and then look out the window to think and then boom, go back to doing something. And, you know, you and I were just talking about writing books and man, with books and ideas, I find myself thinking I, and I, I've gotten to, I just, I love it. I love to take that time just to think and let those gears grind through something. And sometimes I'll go out for a ride or a run, just a moderate one, just to focus on something. And sometimes I can get my best ideas right then. I'll, I've literally had to stop. I was out last week and I, I stopped. I had my, my phone in my back pocket and pulled it out on the notes thing and talked into it just to get a couple things. So I, I forget stuff so quick, uh, but to put those in there, but that time to think, Okay, I'm, I'm changing my answer. I'm going with that. <laughs> yeah, and, and let me be clear. When I'm talking about, you know, the question was, if you have an extra hour all of a sudden appear in your day, what would be the most powerful thing you could use that extra hour to focus on? And so I would take the most important thing in your life, and then I would focus on that yeah. through imagination. Yeah, man, I love it. I love it. You know, you, you mentioned procrastination. Uh, Wade Maines, he said, I'm focusing on creating structures in my life, such as time blocking and looking at procrastination and the sense of, you know, how and when do I do these things? What And what am I saying about myself? Do I see failure as a self-worth issue? He says, one of my favorite quotes as of course, Zig Ziglar's failure is an event not a person. There are oftentimes what I see is the things I was still told as a child. Uh, and uh, I would like, he said, I do want to take this time to thank some of my mentors like Tom Ziegler, uh, but he's starting a coaching business. So we had a lot of people, of course, say that they would put their emphasis on work, but I appreciate him. He's, he's developed a new coaching and training business, and he says he's working on it now like a true business where before it was a hobby. Uh, you know, this is interesting though. And, and I thought you were going to go this direction too, because it's not one that we tend to think of, but, uh, Kent, but Burr, here, he said, uh, where, what, where would I, you know, give extra time? He says, I don't know, but it'd be at the beach. And I thought, you know, nobody, he's the only one that referred to, made me think about what about rest? 
What about taking that extra time just to rest? Now you talked about thinking. I love that. But what about taking that time just to rest, not the relief of kick your shoes off, watch a game and eat Cheetos, which, you know, there's a place for that. But the aspect of rest as far as I'm going to take some time to renew myself, as the Bible says, renew yourself daily, but to renew myself, recharge myself. So to fill myself so I've got more to pour out. And yeah, because again, Tom, I'm, I'm like what you started off with. I tend to think, OK, what extra can I do instead of maybe some time taking some time to just be? Yeah. I love it. You know, you hear in the business world, the idea of doing a time log, you know, how productive, how productive are you? What are you really doing? Where are you, where are you investing your time? Are you doing, uh, putting out fires? Are you moving projects along? Are you creating something brand new, a future thing? And I, I like to, when I look at my day and I go, wow, was it a good day or was it a bad day? And usually for me to give a day, a 10 out of 10, it has to be that combination. It mm. has to be that combination of these are the priorities. These are the things I were working on. These are the things that I wanted to move to that next level. Plus, did I think deeply about doing those things better? Those are the things that I wanted to make sure that I got done. Yeah. So that's a great day is the thinking and the doing. It's not one or the other. It's the both. And what, what do I do when I look back at a, at a day that wasn't so good? It, it wasn't so good, not necessarily because I didn't get the to-dos done. It wasn't so good because I didn't have any meaningful think time or creative time that, that filled me up and moved me forward together. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, I'm looking at Facebook here. Ali, he says... Actually, it just fell off. But he said, you know, taking that time for yourself to recharge is hard. You know, if you have a family, man, I get that. Uh, I do. I've got a big family. I've got six kids at home right now as I speak. And that is difficult. But you know what I've found out, Thomas, sometimes it's it keeps me accountable for my time. Sometimes I work smarter and more effectively and have what you did, those investments across the board better when I have my plate full. I'm more intentional and say, this is what I'm gonna have devotions. This is what I'm gonna exercise. This is what I'm gonna work on this. This is what I'm gonna do X, Y, Z. So I get that, but um, man, sometimes, I mean, again, we, we've, we've all, there's always somebody doing more with more going against them with more that they've got to deal with. And it's always convicting. Again, we need to have the high, I talk about this, you have no idea how much, Tom, since you started talking about it, the highest, uh, the highest standards and the deepest grace. Uh, so I'm keeping my standards high, but having the deepest grace as well. Uh, Bonnie here, she said, growing my business, I'm turning 60 at Christmas and six years ago had a bankruptcy. This is it. We have so much uh, cool stuff going on. And I asked her about what her business is. She's the hybrid publisher of nonfiction. We help professional women bring more meaning to their lives by empowering them to write, publish and market their books so they can grow their influence and create more impact. Um, But coming back just to what she talked about growing her business. So again, we're going back to Zig's message. If if we're going to achieve these goals, we've got to give specific intentional focus, you know, to, to each of those goals and give them individual time. So if we're going to do that, how many of us take time who have a business? So if you're out there and you have a business, you're trying to create a business, man, it is so easy to be always, always, always working in your business. So to me, when she says growing my business, Tom, I mean, I've got separate time that I separate out of there because I could be working in the business all day. I literally have to set it. I have to force myself to set it aside, put that over here and go, okay, right now I'm going to work on, and I've always got a, a few areas of some things that are investments and in literally growing, not just maintaining that's not growing necessarily, but in growing the business. And man, you know that as entrepreneurs, as business people, we can so often just get caught up in the minutiae and we never step back. It's kind of the consummate artist thing, right? That somebody hires them to do this big work and man, they just go full tilt boogie into making that thing. And they make it, they finish it, they get paid and now there's nothing there. They, they didn't make that deposit to make sure that there's another 
deal to work on and in our businesses growing that business. And yeah, I just find Tom that I, I have to intentionally set it just like exercise or whatever. I have to set aside time and say, this is a growing business, 30 minutes, hour, half day, you know, whatever works for you. Yeah. I like, uh, I like what you just said. You kind of paraphrase Michael Gerber. Are you working in your business or on your business? Yeah. And on your business is about growing it, scaling it, innovating it. Uh, I like this, this concept I was reading a book about this and it talked about the greatest innovations in history and an innovation isn't usually a brand new idea or concept. It's usually combining two things that nobody had thought about combining. And the, the example of that is the, um, I remember as a kid, we'd travel, right? We would fly. And we would get off the plane, we'd go get all of our heavy bags, and then dad would get a sky cap. So we would take these bags and he would put them on a cart that had wheels. And that's the way everybody traveled for decades. And then somebody said, wait a second, what if we put the wheels on the bottom of the suitcase? <laughs> that was an innovation. Uh-huh. And so what I would suggest for everybody, He's listening to this. What if you did this? What if you spent that extra little bit of time focusing on the problems that the people you serve have? Yeah. So just imagine somebody going to the airport and just sitting there and just taking all the bias, all of the preconceived notions out of their mind and just sit down there at luggage claim, you know, 50 years ago. Okay. What are the problems that these people are having? And you look around and everybody's straining their back to pick up suitcases. Mm-hmm. But people weren't focused on problems. They were focused on what they already had. So that could be another way to look at it. Yeah, it's, it is funny looking back on evolution of progress, things like that. Like I remember travel, it was your bag. And the most important thing was having that big shoulder strap. You got to have that shoulder strap, you know, or a backpack or something like that. And of course, I just can't imagine walking through the airport now with something hung off my shoulder. I'm letting it just merrily roll along on those wheels. Here's the guy who figured that out. God bless him. Uh, here's a, this kind of comes into that working on your business, working even on your life. Cindy Sipes, she says uh, she would devote to downsizing her stuff. She says it's often hard for me to part with things that have sentimental value or I think I might need later. I think a lot of that has to do with growing up poor and appreciating when someone gives you something, even if you don't need or want it, which I don't know why. I mean, you know, I went through my youth and I was frugal. I spent more time on what I was doing, not how much money I had. So always pension pennies and learn to be frugal. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I understand that. And I look at it now that sometimes I still suffer from a scarcity mentality. And I have to force myself to look and say, look, if we haven't used X, Y, Z in six months or two years, can we just get rid of it? We're robbing somebody else of its use. And, you know, that aspect of simplifying and, uh, who's the lady Marie Kondo, you know, it's been so popular, but it really is the things that we own end up owning us. So my wife, I'm so grateful. We're on the same wavelength of so often we're just, if, if at all possible, can we just get rid of it? So we keep, we have two washers, two dryers in our laundry room. And on one of them, it's kind of the goodwill shelf uh, or goodwill, you know, compilation spot. And it's almost a weekly thing of getting rid of stuff at goodwill just to get it out of the house. Love it. I like that comment. It's, it's reminded me of essentialism. Yeah. Yes. And, and it's, it's that really that concept of uh, it's, it's not, it's simplifying, but it's actually doing more of what matters and less of things that don't matter. Yeah. And I, I love that approach. You are listening to The Ziggler Show and this episode on what area of your life and work would you give more time and focus to if you could. Next, Tom Ziegler talks about personal growth. Nothing more valuable. We'll start right back after I share some great products and services with you. Uh, we've had a couple of people on our Facebook uh, say, you know, what a couple have said academics and then Marisa said, hey, I would, I'd probably listen to more free broadcasts on personal development and growth and inspiration like this one. So personal growth, 
is boy, you want to focus on if you had, if you were magically given an extra hour to focus on anything, what do they say? The greatest investment you can ever make is an investment in yourself. Yeah. And I look at academics, I look at uh, personal growth. These are investments in yourself, things that, that cannot be taken away from you because you now have it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not a more valuable place to spend it. Uh, Derek Olson and Skip, uh, John Skipworth both talked about piano. And from that, I just took hobbies. And Tom, it's just been one I've been focused on more and more as I have. Of course, we have you know the most amazing guest on this podcast and on my True Life podcast. And now I'm having them on the Motive podcast. The majority, not all, but the vast majority, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 90, if not 95 percent of the people, the authors, speakers, experts that we are listening to, that we are following, that are influencing our culture, have fairly vibrant hobbies, things that they invest in. Now, there are some, you know, where, man, they, their work is just, it encompasses so much that that is their primary focal point. But it's just interesting how many of them have some other non-work, non-vocational, non-revenue generating interest that they devote to. It might be a sport, you know, it's running or riding and doing, you know, Spartan races or something. It might be piano. It might be dancing. Music's an often, uh, often one. It may be traveling, seeing new places, but something that's, that's fun to do over here. And man, like you, Tom, I enjoy my work. And in some degree, I could just take any available time and just do that. But I am so fed personally by my hobbies. And even though it's exercise, my riding and running is an outlet that I do outside of exercise for what it does for me. It's, it is a hobby. I invest in it. I do, I go to races. A lot of times I go to them by myself. I just, I enjoy going and doing that, that outlet. And it's a hobby. So is my woodworking stuff, doing, doing stuff at my home. I call it functional wood art. It's just a different part of the brain. It's a different part of my creativity. It's still building no different than I do in business and with writing, but I so and so I've given those value. I, I've upped the value of that and not looked at that as, oh, that's a luxury to say, no, man, that makes me a better me. That makes me more of who I am. And that comes out in my writing. I just recently, man, I don't know if it's published yet, but uh, now one of my favorite authors, Charles Martin, and the guy is an, he loves bow hunting just adores it takes his sons out they're getting ready to right now it's like a week or 10 days going by just he just loves doing it it's not part of his work per se but it makes him more of who he is and i, I just I, I'm, I'm a little enamored by that right now yeah you know uh we just had a comment from from steve patterson and he said this he said uh, hey i like to focus on things that i'm already good at Hmm. And I, and I kind of like this because it's, it's something that we teach. It's, it's a principle. And that is that, you know, there's all these different things in life that we could do. Some of them were naturally gifted and talented and it kind of comes easy. Some of them were okay. We can learn it. We can improve it. And some things we just don't have a skill set in that. And it's far better. Like Steve points out, Hey, it's, if you're going to focus on something, focus on something that you're already pretty good in that comes a little bit natural so that you can become great at it. And then surround yourself with people who are good or great at the things that you're not so good or great in. Yeah. So that's a multiplier. And Kevin, what you just said about riding your bike, doing races, going out in the wood shop, working on stuff, what you're really doing, and we talk about this in the book, Choose to Win, is you are doing things personally that give you fuel and energy. And so you actually, even though you're burning a ton of calories, even though you're physically exhausted when you're done, your greatest asset of all, and it's the greatest asset of everybody listening to this podcast, it's our, it's our imagination, it's our creativity, it's our thinking, it's the brain, it's, the, it's that, that gray matter between our ears. And so when we do something physically that relieves the stress, that opens up the possibilities, that gives us energy, then that goes and doubles back. And so anybody who says, hey, if I had extra time, 
I would do something that would bring me energy. That is a great answer as well. That That is, and that's a neat thing. I, I, I hadn't thought about that aspect of a hobby, that for a lot of people, it's something that they may be masterful in. They love it, man. They can, I've got, a, I've got a friend and fishing and he is an expert fly fisherman and he goes out and no matter what stresses may be happening at work, in his marriage, as a parent, financially, whatever, he goes out there and he is in the zone and it fills him up to come back and better deal with those things. You, you know, conversely though, it made me think too of Neil Pasricha. And we had him on the show, uh, episode 727, but he's got multiple books. And one of his weekly things is to do something crazy he's never done before. That's his, I, and I think about that, I think, I, I don't know if that's my gig, but man, he loves it because it just, you know, opens him up to new things. He's a very creative guy, very outgoing guy, and he loves that. So if you're hearing this and that does it for you, man, again, that's, that's, that's the point. What fuels you, you know? Uh, you talked about essentialism, and I wanted to point out uh, Greg McEwen. We had he wrote the book Essentialism, and it's one of those books that I have found so many influencers read. If I look at some of the top people, you know, on our show and stuff, they have, they'll all cite that book. So it's really influential book of influencers. And we had him on the show, episode 442, if you want to hear that but powerful message on, as you said, uh, essentialism. Uh, John uh, here said health and fitness. You know, he would deal with his health issues. And, you know, I was sitting on the porch or out on the deck here at the office with our doctor, Dr. Randy James today, talking about that and talking about a patient that's a guy I know as well. And a guy is a high-end financial advisor, very wealthy, very successful. And the biggest struggle he has in his life is his health right now. And yet as time goes on, he's still not making it a priority. It's hurting his ability. He just talked about a $50,000 deal that all he had to do is a few things and he just didn't have the energy to do them and lost that. And we're talking and, you know, of course I can look at that and think, oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm just appalled. How can he not make this a focus? And yet how often is this all of us that we have these acute areas of our lives that are hampering us? Let's go to, to that aspect that are hampering, handicapping us, uh, which could be in his sense, health for a lot of people, finances, for a lot of people, it's relational strife. And yet we just don't. We just don't. It's uncomfortable. I don't want to go there. And we let it go on and it starts degrading the rest of our lives, which ultimately we're talking about. This is the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and hoping for different results or even just hoping to just endure it and let it pass. I am as guilty of this. Sometimes I'm often appalled at myself for this very thing. But John's saying, if I had time, that's where I would put it. We so often will offset those things that would fill us. But again, it feels like a selfish thing to do. We just need to stay over here, keep doing our thing, keep pouring out. And of course the reality is we're pouring out at a trickle at this point because we're so wrecked personally. And it's just, it's, it's math that we just don't do very well as humans, especially sometimes as aspiring humans, I think, Tom. Yeah, that the, the example you just gave of the health, I'm going to use tongue in cheek uh, to all of our listeners. And I'm willing to do this with anybody who, who wants to come to me and, and, and we can do this arrangement. Uh, I have a pretty unique way of making sure that a health and diet uh, goal is met. Kevin's smiling because he knows where yeah. he's going. <laughs> it's good. Uh, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's good. And, and, and the reality is, is that, that people's fear of loss is so much greater than the hope for gain. Yeah. And, and people get discouraged and they, they've tried to get in shape and they've tried to do this. But their belief system, this is what we know, is you, you cannot fix a wrong belief or a poor self-image with willpower and hard work. It, it just doesn't work. You've got to replace a wrong belief with the right belief. Hmm. You've got to replace a poor self-image with a strong self-image. You can't shore it up. You can't outwork it. You can't outthink it. It's got to be a new belief. It's got to be a new story that you tell yourself. And I point this out because people will come to me and they'll say, hey, I have this goal, and I know that if I achieve this goal, this, this, and this is going to happen. And I'll say, well, that's fantastic. Can you put a monetary value on it? Well, let's just use the example of the person you were talking about. If they'd gotten that deal, it would have been an extra 50000 
and yet they didn't do the work. Mm -hmm. Okay. If we flipped it a little bit and I said to him, look, uh, you need to lose 50 pounds, you know, six months or a year, you, you, you pick it up. I'll give you a year. Uh, I want you to write me a check for Mm $50,000 today. I'm going to go put it in escrow. And if you lose the weight at the end of the year, uh, I'll give you all 50 back. And if you don't, I'll take you to dinner and I'll keep the rest. Does that sound like a deal? Mm -hmm. Well, what do you mean? Well, would you lose the weight? Absolutely. I would lose the weight. Absolutely. If I'm, you know, of course I'm going to lose it because the fear of loss of the money is greater than the hope of gain, which is a little bit intangible in this case with improved health. And I only, I only say that to, you need to change your belief. You need to change the way you see yourself and what you truly believe in because what is the value of your purpose in life? Yeah. It's priceless. Yeah. It's, it's priceless. And so when we start attaching what we believe in to our purpose, who we are and whose we are, why we were created, what are we on this earth to do? Our value is not the dollar per hour that we get or the amount of money that we, it's, it's priceless. And that gets me excited. That gets me up in the morning. That gets me fired up. What I do is priceless. If one life is changed, if one person is influenced to make a decision that takes them down a path that betters them and their family, that is an influence that will ripple through eternity. Can you put a dollar value on that? Yeah. This is what I learned from dad, from Zig Ziglar, is every single day, the older that he got, the more he realized that he had less time on this earth and the more urgent he became in going about the things that God gifted him to do. He, he was just always excited about the next project and he would get into it hundred percent. And I want you to know, he played hard. He had fun. He spent family time. Uh, he took time off, but when he was in it, he was all in. And why is that? Because He knew his purpose, and when he did PPAs, purpose-producing activities, that gave him hope and joy and satisfaction, and he could see that result go out into the world. We all, Tom, it just brings me back when we all, not to be, I want to try to keep it positive, but we just, we undervalue ourselves. We undervalue our abilities. We undervalue our contributions. And it's, uh, it's a shame. Hey, that's why we're here inspiring each other. Soma Hathaway, she says she would invest in her heart in her artwork. And she is, she's trying to double her focus really there. She, I, she said, I just started a personal challenge to paint every day for six weeks. And I asked her what the catalyst was. And she says it was and is intense pain, suffering from necessary change, grieving over loss, etc. Painting is my healing balm, a reconnection to my purpose and passions. And we're kind of back to that, you know, investing in themselves. And I honestly didn't see that. And, you know, granted before these shows, I'll, I'll, I'll browse through a little bit. My team compiles them, but I didn't see that thread. That probably is the primary thread here is investing in themselves. I'm looking right now and Mary Ann, she says her health, mental balance and weight loss. Uh, Evan Herman says waking up at 4 a.m. so I can start the day early and get a great start. It's been a big challenge. Some weeks I do great, great. And then a few months, uh, not so great. I mean, those are areas we've got, you know, so hobbies, we've got personal health. We've got, I'd say that's part of uh, health or productivity is waking up earlier as things to do to invest in ourselves, which by proxy says that the things that we tend to not give time to is investing in ourselves is, and I, I still like that aspect of filling myself up. Here's my, you know, here's my, my water uh, jug. And if I, at some point it runs out and I'm just trickling out, trying to get a drop. And how often do we do that to ourselves instead of saying, you know what, hold on, give me a minute. I'm going to go fill my cup up instead of standing sitting here if i don't do that i'll sit here so dry mouth i can't talk so i got to keep my cup full we're both taking our drinks here there we go but filling ourselves up you know evan i want to i want to hit on the getting up early thing tom uh evan you know talks about trying to get up at 4 a.m and we talked you know we've had people on the show recently um we had a doctor and he gets up at three 
so he can write before he goes in and doctors all day and uh, some at four, 5 a.m. Of course, we had Robin Sharma, the 5 a.m. club and uh, Hal Elrod, the miracle morning. I think his timeline was about five or, or so. I do just want to point out a lot of that is we're talking about a cultural timetable we all live in. And so if I was to look out at the masses, I would say, yeah, most people, if you're going to have the time to really jumpstart your day and direct your day it's that morning time we talk of it comes up so often with almost every guest how powerful that morning time is but as far as what time it is it's pretty much dictated by the culture work often for most people starts at you know eight or nine that's where you got to be at the office uh, school starts whenever it starts uh you know for your kids and so that does dictate the time and i remember when i was getting up at five or five fifteen. well then my life changed and right now i don't have kids going as early and i've, I've restructured my life and now i'm not getting up as early uh i'll, I'll sleep a little bit later my point being the magic is not the, the hour you got to figure out what is what's the you know what is your time schedule when do you need to get up to give you that extra 30 minutes the extra hour two hours what do you need what's going to be best for you and of course then that's going to go on and say what time do you need to go to sleep because if i'm going to bed if i'm waking up at four what do i, I have to get up at i have to go to bed. i'm an eight hour sleeper i just am if, if i'm going to be well when i don't set my alarm i'm pretty much eight hours, sometimes seven and a half, sometimes eight and a half. I average literally, I've got my, my, my sleep tracker. I, I average over eight hours. I'm physically active during the day. So I've got recovery time there, but if, you know, I got to backtrack then and say, what time am I going to bed? Of course, you talk about your dad who was famous for doing what at nine 30 every night. Dad used to say, uh, I don't know what y'all are doing, but I'm going to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, I get up at 4.35, 5.15, and I need seven and a half minimum. And yeah. Kevin, you're my hero because not only do you get eight hours, but you track the eight hours that you get. I, you know, I, I actually do. I've got a sleep tracker and you can do them with, you know, like a Fitbit type thing. The aura ring is probably best at sleep tracking, but I love it because it shows me not only how long I slept, but how well I slept. So if I slept eight hours, but I got 30 minutes of deep sleep, that is not a good a uh, good night's sleep. If I slept six hours, but I got two and a half, three hours of deep sleep, I'm better off. Now I'm generally, you know, you need both. I'm looking for eight hours with a good amount. So it shows me that my literal amount of deep sleep, how much time I was awake. Uh, if, you know, if you get up in the middle of the night, which hopefully you don't, but you know, it, it happens, go to go to the bathroom or whatever. So yeah, I just, I've gotten to be so, uh, just so focused on that. It's just, it, I hate feeling tired. I hate not having that mental clarity and capacity and creativity. One of the things that's amazing to me is people who have what we call uh, bad habits. They don't get enough sleep. They're not fueling their life. They're not getting energy. Their diet isn't so good. They're not getting movement. Uh, you get stuck into thinking that's normal. Yeah. Right. You get stuck into thinking that at three o'clock in the afternoon, you got to get a dose of sugar and yeah. some coffee and all of that stuff. And, uh, I think, you know, just going back to the theme of, hey, if we were given an extra hour just magically in the day to do something to, that we could double our focus on, uh, I think a little bit of self-reflection, a little bit of self-reflection on what is it that is holding me back? Yeah. Like when I look at my own life, my own performance, my own productivity, my own goals, my own relationships, my own health, my own, the own, my own quality of my spiritual life, whatever it is that I'm really uh, thinking about, what is it that's holding me back? What, what belief, what practice, what bad habit is holding me back? I think that would be a valuable way to spend an hour is to identify that in the, I was listening to a good friend um, and mentor, uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin a couple of weeks ago. And, and he, he pointed out in the old Testament, it says this, it says, uh, stop sinning and then do good. Hmm. You'll never see something that says go and do good in the old Testament. It's always stop sinning, start, stop her, uh, her harming yourself. Stop doing things that take you down or take others down. Stop that and then do good. And I think, uh, in our, in our, Gosh, I'm just going to, in our advertising marketing driven world, very rarely do you get the message of stop doing stuff, 
that's taking you down and then start doing this. Mm-hmm. It's always add, add, add. You can do it all. You know, you can raise 10 kids and have two careers and travel the world and be a triathlete and, you know, have a podcast and, oh, wait, did I just explain you? No, I'm just- <laughs> I resemble that <laughs> remark. <laughs> yeah, but but it's like we just get into this ad, ad, ad. And, and so we need to we need to start saying wait a second maybe i need to to like the essentialism stop doing the things that tear me down or don't add value i I agree and it it reminds me of the you know how many of the good things that we do and fill our lives with and it gets so full that we never get the chance to do the great things that's what i'm focused on there's just so many good things i mean i I try to phrase that positively i get tired of the busy thing people think i've got a big you know big family and business oh kevin you're so busy everybody's busy it doesn't matter if you're single with no kids everybody is busy so it doesn't really matter it's all relative i know people who have 12 kids and you know more businesses and 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 whatnot but letting i find myself saying i got a lot of good things but i'm gonna have to give something up to do the great thing and i'm i am continually interested to watch myself, Tom, I think I'm always a little bit better, but how there'll be that one important thing back to, back to what the the one lady said about growing her business, that one thing, that one investment that you know will reap such dividends, creating that course, writing that book, writing that chapter, writing that blog, doing that podcast, reaching out and making that connection. I'll reach out. I did this recently. I reached out for a connection that I've been trying to do for months, reached out, finally got it for a deal I'm wanting to do. Got the connection. I responded yesterday and I realized it's been seven days and I just sit, why did I, it's like uh, the excitement, I got, got the connection and then I just let it sit there and I procrastinated and did other things, did all these good things and didn't do a great thing. Why do I, do, I so I just want people to hear that, you know, I, we, we're here talking about these things. I do hope that I'm better. I hope I've, I've reached a higher level than I used to be at, but man, I'm still on the journey. We all are. We still wake up with the same issues and the same propensities and the same procrastination. And man, I'm, I am a world-class procrastinator. I'm, I've gotten to the point where I, I love deadlines because if it wasn't for deadlines, I don't know that I'd ever get anything done, Tom. Uh, <laughs> ever. Hey, I, I just read a comment and it said something about meditate, relax, oh, breathe. Oh, gosh, yeah. And uh, I'm looking up a book that I just finished not too long ago, and it's called... Uh, uh, the book is called Breathe by James Nestor. Mm-hmm. And there was a uh, there was a quote in the book and it was I don't know if it was a, a Chinese saying or whatever, but uh, the wisdom was our life is measured by the number of breaths that we take. And here we think of heartbeats. But when we when we breathe right, when we when we meditate, when we do that, that intentional relaxation, everything comes back into focus. Uh, when I do the, when I start breathing, like they, like they recommend, I go to sleep better. I sleep deeper. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of things that change. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm just looking at, this is really in a pretty deep question. If you had an extra hour, mm-hmm. what would you do? It reminds me of Gary Keller. What's the one thing you could do? that would raise all the ships that would change everything else. And I wonder how many, how many days and weeks go by in our lives where we never ask that question. We just do the urgent, right? Not the important, but the urgent, or we do the expected. Yeah. And the, the people who change the world, the people who make a lasting impression, they don't do the expected. They do the unexpected or they do the expected in an extraordinary way. Yeah. Yeah. And and that is back to that morning issue. I have talked to more and more people lately. And because of the busyness of life, the fullness of life, that is why they get up at three or four or whatever, whether every morning or one morning a week, and they just set it aside to do that big thing, that great thing. Cause they know otherwise they just get caught up in life. You know, you're talking about meditation. I got to hold this up. This is a brand new muse. I think it's the muse Two but it's a meditation app that I haven't tried yet. Uh, and I need to, because I'm having the, uh, the founder, the creator, Ariel Garten on the true life 
show. Actually, I think we, we have her on the show or talk to her next week and it, it'll publish a week or two later. But that is one I have the hardest time doing, uh, Tom, is I just so enjoy production that to stop. Now I'll stop and go do my exercise. You know, I'll, I, I'm, I'm eager to get home every night to make dinner. Love doing that. But to just stop and meditate just to be is it's so far it has proved to be the hardest thing for me to get myself to do so that maybe that's the answer to mine. I you know again to what you said though, I'm just, it's, it, it is. Why do I just get caught up in the busy work? Cause when I finally do go down the rabbit hole to do that big thing, it's usually great. I love it. It's, it's fun, but it's still the hard work. Maybe that kind of like meditation of stopping and giving it that focus. It's just so easy to answer emails, to scroll Facebook, to pay some bills to whatnot. And I am, yeah, I just keep saying the same thing. I'm enamored by my humanity, I guess, Tom. Um, and to what you said, that's it. We've got to be, that, there's the superhuman things. That's who we have on the show, superhuman people who just do a few of the things a little differently that the rest of us don't do. Uh, Brian Gross here, he says, for him, turning off work. I find myself thinking about things I need to get done at work when it's eight or later at night. My brain just won't turn off. I have quality time with my wife and kids, but wish I could do a better job of unplugging when I'm done for the day. Sounds like a consummate entrepreneur to me, Tom. I mean, that is, that's the, that's the, I, I think that's the entrepreneur's dilemma a lot, especially if you're doing something you really enjoy, you believe in it's succeeding. It's just, it's addicting. Or, well, and I guess the other side too, if you're having a hard time struggling, you feel like I can't afford not to be always working at it. And, uh, I, I will say that I understand that struggled with it for years today. I've, I've been doing it so long. I finally got past that one, but man, I, I get that one. Is it a struggle for you at any more these days, or has it been long enough that you're, you're pretty good with your schedule? I'm pretty good at it. Um, one of the things, this is something that works for me. It, it's, it's a little bit of a life hack, uh, for this. When you have the things rocking in your brain as you're trying to go asleep and it just won't turn off, uh, instead of fighting it, I like to channel it. And so what I will do is my brain is like saying, hey, don't forget this. Oh, don't forget this. What about that? Do that. Do this. Is I will take all those ideas, all those things that are popping out, and I will start writing them down, and then I'll categorize them. I'll put them you know, in that place. And then, and then when it pops up, uh, I go, Oh, that's already taken care of. It's on the sheet. I'm not going to forget it. Mm -hmm. And then I will focus on, on, Hey, I, I just, I want to understand this. I want to focus on this. I want to imagine this. And that's almost what I go to sleep with. Yeah. And instead of, uh, trying to entertain every thought that comes to my mind, I put them in their place and then give attention to the one I want. But then I say to myself, you know what? I'm going to let my subconscious work on this. I can do this fantastic while I'm asleep. Yeah. So that's, that's what I do. That's what I, that's what I try to focus on. I like that. I, you know, I think there's some personality styles that come into this. My wife, man, she can pretty much anytime she can just focus on something for me. I tend to want to kind of get out that mental clutter. So yeah, I'll go through a list of here's all the things to do, kind of brain dump, get it out of my, off my head. And oh, now you know, now I can focus. Well, you know, such great comments. And I've seen some of you guys on Facebook. I'll go back through that and uh, look at some of those and try to respond to those as well. Again, this will be for those on Facebook, this will be episode 824 of the Ziegler show. But, uh, I think it's powerful, Tom. Yeah. Just to think about, you know, one, the reality that if we did have an extra hour or whatever added onto the day, that generally it wouldn't matter. We just still just, you know, we, we would do, we would do, you know, people will have something that gets canceled and it's not like they get a whole lot more done, uh, generally to think about how can we work smart or whatnot. But I think this just really showcases in a, in a, in a lot of way, the thread that I've seen is what is that area we know is important. Kind of just get back to, back to Covey's uh, you know, his, his quadrant, uh, of important and urgent, urgent, important, whatnot. It's important things that aren't as urgent. We let those urgent things get in the way. Yeah. And it has me thinking about it. And honestly, this, this is one I'm sitting here holding this meditation thing. That is one that I know I'm missing. And I would tend to say that that's something you do, but again, investment in self seems to be the primary thread. So, uh, 
I just feel challenged to take that and up, up the priority of investing in myself is what I'm going to walk away from this with Tom. Absolutely. You got it. Well, let's maybe on the next show, you can tell us the dividends those investments have paid off. All right, deal. Thanks for the accountability, brother. All right. Sounds got good. It. Well, friends, I expect you're feeling inspired thinking, you know, if you were given time to double your focus on improving one area of your life or progressing toward any one specific goal, where would it be now? Uh, I sure have some new ideas for myself coming up in episode 825. Never be a victim. Here's a quote. Everything works together for my good. I'm never a victim. That comes from Deborah Smith Pigay. She had every reason to be a victim, and you'll hear about that in the show, but ultimately she just didn't see the value in it. Sounds pithy, but that's the truth. So as a poor, underprivileged black woman, she figured out how to get an education. She went from a Southern maid, literally, to Fortune 500 VP, and then on to become an award-winning author and international speaker. But don't expect some hard-charging war horse here. This is what intrigued me. She was just all smiles and laughter and joy. And she gave lighthearted but profound answers to my inquiries. At one point, as I pressed her on some hardships that she had faced, she just said, well, you know, what were my options? Let it all take me down or just go succeed. And it left me feeling somewhat silly for minimizing myself or letting any circumstance get me down and handicap me. She has a new book called Lead Like a woman, but I'll tell you her message spoke to me as much as any message I've heard in a long time. What we discussed regarding gender and race and opportunity was just powerful. I mean, as a black person, she never tried to be white. As a woman, she never tried to be a man. And she does have some incredible, incredible counsel for women specifically. But again, it's going to benefit everybody to hear it. Uh, she did. She talks about, uh, she recognized how the cards were stacked. And she simply did what needed to be done. She knew she'd have to, she actually said this, work twice as hard and get half the credit, which she, again, she just accepted and did it, realizing complaining about it or letting it hold her back or being bitter gained her nothing. It just diminished her and her opportunities. And what she is today is a wildly successful and joyfully fulfilled human. It was just a delight to hear her wisdom. I think you will feel freed in many ways. Till then, folks, thank you, as always, for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.